G'day Elevators, Mets and Alan here, and I am beyond thrilled to welcome you to a game-changing episode of the Elevate Experience podcast. Today we have a titan in the business world joining us, none other than the brilliant CEO of My Muscle Chef, Tushar Menon, straight from our very own dynamic landscape of Australia. Get ready for an eye-opening conversation as we unravel the entrepreneurial journey of Tushar delving into the strategic moves, challenges, and lessons that have sculpted my muscle chef into a powerhouse in the fitness industry and nutrition industry. Whether you are a budding entrepreneur or simply are curious about secrets behind building a successful business, this episode is your backstage pass to the wisdom of a visionary leader. So grab your headphones, tune in, and let's elevate our minds together on the Elevate Experience. Thanks for joining us, Tusha. I'm going to give you an introduction because you deserve one. You're the My Muscle Chef founder in 2013. You started with your brother, who saw, and you both saw a gap in a ready-made meal market that was at the time largely aimed at weight loss. Mm-hmm. My Muscle Chef has it was initially targeted to gym goers, those who wanted to build their protein intake, but broaden out the mainstream market in 2019, switched from frozen to fresh meals. The company was the first to vacuum seal their meals. Mm-hmm. Since its inception a decade ago, during which it made, I think it was under 900,000. In the, in the first, first year, year. that's yeah. right. In revenue in its first year. Mama's Chef now has grown exponentially and in 2022 bought in nearly 220 million in revenue so bro it's great to have you here thank you thanks i'm a massive supporter of of your brand obviously i'm good mates with james ajaka he introduced me to you a a year ago and i got fond memories of uh dave's birthday last year yes um it was one uh, some forgotten memories too i don't remember it's forgotten and unforgettable (laughs) it's one of those ones where you go that's you'll never forget that moment yeah but t the first question I wanted to ask you, and I've trained with you and, and a good mate of ours, Dave, who's a mutual friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I know about you is is your discipline and how hard you train in the gym. Yes. Let me ask you a question. Like, obviously, you started in 2013 with my mm-hmm. muscle chef. Bro, were you always that disciplined in the gym? Did you always push yourself? Is, is that what sort of got you to go, hey, listen, I, I can see a gap here. Yeah. I want to be able to help people. Was that something where you, you've always had that discipline? I think so. So I was very disciplined to start off, I guess, in my life with school. So my parents are very, very strict. So growing up, you know, going to school and getting good grades was like a must. So I wasn't really much into sport. Like I said, I played a bit of cricket with my background, of course, but most of my discipline was sort of school related. And then once I finished school, that's when I found the gym. And I felt like I transferred that discipline that I had sort of built up in school to the gym as well and I think with everything that I do I have that discipline I want to do really well at it so I don't do things for the sake of it so there's not many things I'm passionate about but if I find something I'm passionate about I go very very hard at it so I found like from the start when I when I first went to the gym uh, I just just had that discipline to make sure that I learned the right techniques made like had the right movements I'd watch a lot of videos online I just wanted to be really really good at it and I think it's just in my nature so that's how it started we always like me, I'll give you an example. Mm. I, I knew I loved bodybuilding from the age of 10 when my yep. brother was competing and he's 10 years older than me. Was that something you were passionate about, like like the actual body itself and how, how to look and how it made you feel? Definitely. 
I remember even you know, being 10 years old and flexing in front of the mirror with no biceps. And <laughs> um, I think that's something we all do as kids. So I wouldn't say I was very passionate about bodybuilding, but about the human body, definitely. And as I got older, uh, I wanted to be stronger. So in school, I was pretty small. So I was like a skinny, scrawny kid. And when I'd see kids that, you know, had a good physique, I was a bit jealous of that. So I wanted to sort of aspire to be like that. So even at school, I think it's year 10 or 11, you get the opportunity to sub out one of the sports for, you can go to the gym or ice skating and stuff like that. So I used to pick the gym and I didn't know what I was doing, but I'd just go there, right? So that was always sort of in the back of my mind. And then after I finished school, um, my parents said, if I get good grades, they'll get me a gym membership. And which I did. So they got me a fitness first membership. So that was my first ever gym membership right out of school. I think it was the first week after I finished school. I got that gym membership at fitness first. And that's how the, the journey began. And, you know, like I remember when I got my first membership, when you start training in the gym, was it like, where am I? Like, this is this is where I want to be. Is that it? Was that how you felt? Oh, straight. I loved it yeah. straight away. And it was a bit of a social um bit of a gathering too because all my mates came so we all started together so there's about four of us so we'd go to the gym every single day and then go eat burgers afterwards so that wasn't very healthy <laughs> but uh, after school that's just something that we were so passionate about but i loved it and i think a lot of the guys might have dropped off but for me the moment i entered the gym i just just felt comfortable and i always wanted to get better like i was saying earlier when i do something i want to always keep evolving and improving so so I always had like program to see how I can improve my lifts or, you know, learn new movements and just try obviously improve my physique. Let's go back to business. And obviously like for me, I find that the more discipline and the more physicality you have in the gym, mm -hmm. the more it helps you within your business. Mm -hmm. you, you, you're an ambitious person. There's no way you can, you can build a company to the numbers that it's doing now. If it was doing 220 million in 2022, I can imagine it's doing mm -hmm. a lot more now, right? And, mm -hmm. and one thing I'm going to get into the new packaging, which I absolutely love. Yeah. But when you're that when you're that disciplined, you would have had this vision mm -hmm. when you were young mm -hmm. of where you wanted to come. Being an immigrant, coming from India, yes, having that immigrant mentality, was that something that was instilled into you, or did you go, hey? I know I want to do something massive in my life. Mm -hmm. Like, wh how did that? come about because yeah. obviously every young entrepreneur or, or, or individual that starts out mm -hmm. has a much bigger vision you know i want to be australia i want to be worldwide yeah where did that come from it's something i've always had growing up i always knew i wanted to create something of my own and have a legacy even after i'm gone i think that was very big for me have a legacy for my family and um, even you know that I can pass on to sort of future generations as well so that's something that I always had growing up like I always wanted to be someone and create something I didn't know what it was obviously but it was always in the back of my mind so once I finished school um, I, I started uni but I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do I wanted to create something create a brand this this something mm. and it took a while to figure out what that was and my brother helped me a lot as well because we think alike and he was exactly the same so he started his entrepreneurial journey before I did, um, probably a couple of years before, and that inspired me even more. And we both used to always talk, and how can we create something? We see all these big companies, big brands, big you know people doing amazing things. We want to do that as well. We didn't want to settle to be sort of average. So I think it's something we just had growing up. I don't know where it came from, but it's something we always had to aspire to be the best we can be. Obviously, make our sort of parents and family proud as well. Hmm. When you started that journey with your brother. Hmm. Was there other ideas you had before My Muscle Chef? Because a lot of the times you'll have like, you'll have this idea, you'll have this idea, and you'll have another idea. Mm. 
was there a few f- points where he's failed with certain things and going, hey, listen, this, this is the next thing, this is the next thing? Like, how did that work out? Um, for me personally, no, I got lucky, MasterChef being the first business idea. But for my brother, not so much. He tried a couple of things before. So he was part of a couple of um, startup programs in early 2011, 2012. And he actually flew over to America to sort of pursue his dream there. He worked in, um, in Silicon Valley, like all the tech startups are. So he got that opportunity, which was really, really cool. Didn't didn't work out, didn't pan out, but at least he got a taste of it, got that experience. And then that's when I actually you know, spoke to him about my muscle chef. So it was during that time, 2012, I was sort of working full time and I uh, saw the gap in the market because I was making my meals every morning and got sick of doing it. As you know, how hard it is to make your meals every morning, having my chicken, broccoli, brown rice five times a day. And then I started searching online. And um, like you said, at the start, there was nothing available. It was all weight loss related. And then I called him and I said, man, we got this, I got this awesome idea, you got to come back. You know, we've got to give this a shot. And um, I think it was timing and a bit of luck and the rest is history. Did you think you were a bit crazy? Oh, for sure. Definitely, yeah, definitely. What, what, were the, what were the questions he was asking? Man, how's this going to work? Yeah, the first question to? was, what do you know about food you can't cook? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we haven't been in a restaurant business before. This is fresh food. It's not easy. Um, and none of us have started a business before. Like, how, how are we even going to do this? So once he came back, I think we spent about six months sort of planning it all out. Mm. That was back end of 2012. Mm. And I've spoke to my dad about it as well. He had a few good ideas on how we could you know, sort of structure things. He doesn't have a business background, but he's very structured, methodical in what he does. So he helped a lot as well. And we put a plan together and then got to a stage where like, all right, this, we can't plan anymore. Let's just give it a crack. Let's go. And we just sort of backed ourselves. Again, we didn't have the experience around food or anything, but you know, we really believed in the idea. Mm. And again, no one was doing it. And we like, it's sort of now and ever before someone else starts. And coincidentally, when we started, a few other companies started too. So I think a few people were actually thinking about it. Uh, so timing was very important. When you're starting out, it doesn't matter what you're starting mm. out in, how important is it to have the support behind you? Mm-hmm. Um, how pivotal is that? Oh, there's, you can't put a value on that, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't be able to do it without my brother, for sure, and my family support as well. So I was very lucky in the sense that my family you know, didn't say, you know, why are you starting a business is so risky? They were the complete opposite. They're like, they were actually excited for us, which you know, sometimes you hear the opposite, where especially from immigrant background, the norm is to, you know, you go to uni and then you get a good job. So that's what I was expecting from my parents, but they're complete opposite. They said, you know, go for it. You're young, so you have one opportunity to try it out. So that was really good. And my brother, of course, like we sort of bounce off each other and we have complementary skills, which is really, really important, right? Because we've been working together for 11 years now and we hardly clash every now and then, of course, normal being, being siblings, but overall, because we trust each other's skills and he looks after one part of the business, I look after one part of the business, we just complement each other really, really well. So having that support, having someone there that, you know, when you're feeling down, he can lift you up and vice versa. I think that's super important because it can be pretty lonely when you're running a business and I feel, you know, I feel for people that run businesses by themselves because sometimes, well, not sometimes, most times, people won't understand what you're going through. Now, you can try to explain to your mates, but if, you know, they're not going through that startup sort of journey, they'll never relate to it. And often you probably won't even open up about it, you know, so you keep it to yourself. So the fact that we had sort of each other made a big difference. Yeah, I mean, I can sympathize with that. I'm obviously, I'm business partners with my brother mm. and he has a different skill set to what I do. Yeah. And we just... And like you, like you said, there's points that you, you will clash. Yeah. You know, and, you just, but, and, and I think that comes back to the passion of the brand of and where you want to take it. Correct. To also to make the, the, the family proud as well. That's right. right. 
so <clears throat> first year you do nine hundred thousand. How yeah. many roadblocks did you have to go through to get to this point now? Like it's ten years later, right? Yeah. How many times you go? Fuck, is this the ceiling? Yeah. What, you know how we're gonna go to this next level? How many times did you have to have that? Those conversations, those robust conversations yeah. that no one sees. Yeah. Um, the first one was when we moved out of our first kitchen to our second. That was an absolute nightmare, man. I remember I was about six months in and we had this little kitchen in Potts Point and it was probably the size of the studio, to be honest, maybe a little bit bigger. It was wow. fucking tiny. <laughs> and we had a basement freezer we, where we sort of stored all our meals. And it was just, it was such an intense, like, atmosphere. There was so much going on. And that's where I think we probably clashed the most. And my dad was helping as well. And we all be clashing all the wow. time. It was just really, really intense. But everyone obviously meant well, like you yeah. said, everyone was passionate. So finding a new sort of space was really, really tough. And we we found, um, it's a funny story. So we found another kitchen um, in Western Sydney, which was a small bakery. And at the time we used to do frozen meals, right? So when we scoped out the place, all we were focused on was the kitchen where we cooked the food because the kitchen we currently had was tiny. And we didn't pay much attention, which we should have, to the freezer space. So we signed the lease, move across, which was also a bit of a nightmare. Moved in, settled in, start storing all our meals and realized the freezer isn't big enough. Wow. I was like, man, <laughs> what do we do now? Yeah. We just signed a lease. So uh, I started searching online portable freezers and I found this company that does like freezer shipping containers. So I ordered one, came the next day and I put it on the driveway of this unit unit block and there's people drive there's six units in this unit yeah. block commercial unit block and i just chucked it on the driveway and connected up there's like a cord running across the driveway wow. <laughs> so bad we stored all the meals there and then the landlord comes in a couple of days later he's like mate what the hell is this you got to remove this you got 48 hours to get rid of it wow um so those sort of experiences like it makes you really tough because you're sitting there going what the hell do i do now where do I, my meals go and somehow we scout around sydney and we found a or empty warehouse in Preston's. And then, so we moved the, the container into that. And we did that in like two, three days. And I know we somehow made it work. Yeah. And thinking back now, I couldn't do that again. That was, you know, it's not traumatizing, but it really takes it out of you because everything's on the line. You got to think of solutions on the spot. And I think that's things probably people don't realize when they see where the business is now, what it took, you know, in those early mm. days to get it to where it is today and making all those decisions. Uh, but that's probably the most fun times though because once yeah. you do it you're like oh wow you know we, we got through that i guess when you're young you like obviously you're not that old now but when you're first starting out you're willing to do almost do anything, anything right anything yeah and there's a lot of people that would probably possibly go mate i'm like i can't do this yeah you know i'm gonna quit yeah do you think that's a separator from individuals that make it and individuals that don't make it definitely yeah. Definitely. We we never ever had that doubt in our mind. You know, we always said the first two years are going to be tough, which it was extremely tough. weren't making any money. Mm. Um, and, you know, you remember hearing comments from people like, what's the point of working in 100 hours a week if you don't have any money? You know, and yeah. which, again, people don't understand and, um, you know, would say things like, you know, you, you gave it a crack, didn't work out, good experience, move on to something else. Mm. Um, cause two years is a long time of just slaving away and not seeing any results. But for us, that wasn't the reason why we were doing it. We wanted to build something, wanted to create something, you know, we weren't motivated by just making a profit in the first year. Mm. You know, if that was the case, we wouldn't have such a big undertaking, you know? So I think that motivator, what your why is, why you're actually doing it 
of course the profits are great and you're doing it at the end of the day too, you know, build uh, something for yourself and be successful, but it takes time to do that. So you need to know what your sort of end goal is. And for us, we were just focused on that. So no matter what came our way, like the example I just gave you with the, the freezer storage, you know, we had other situations, same thing. It felt like, you know, we, we stuck, you know, run out of money or, you know, just have no option what to do, but we somehow found a solution and moved forward because the end goal was like so clear. Fast forward, right? You've got those issues at that point. Mm -hmm. Then you're looking at your packaging. How many times did you have to change and adjust the packaging yeah. to suit what the consumer was looking for? Um, plenty of times. The first one was when we moved from frozen to fresh. We moved to the black tray and we did the vacuum seal packaging. That in itself was a bit of a gamble. Like you said earlier, no one was doing it. Mm. And um, again, got questioned a lot. Why are you doing this? The food looks squashed or mm. doesn't appear as good as, you know, why aren't you doing what everyone else is doing? But that's not what we want to do. We want to be different. And we knew we're doing it for a reason to have better quality product, you know, longer shelf life and have the best tasting meal on the market and look four years on now, everyone's copying what we're doing, mm. you know? So sometimes you have to take those risks, you know, you can, and it comes from trial and error, but we always like backing ourselves. Uh, I feel like we know the business so well that your gut feel tends to be right. And we do a lot of customer surveys and customer insights to understand what the customer wants. And that also has a big impact on decisions we make. So with the red tray, for example, that's been game changing for us. Um, so over the last four years, we've noticed that as we you know, become the number one fitness ready meal brand now, we have a lot of sort of copycats and followers. And you go into a retail shelf and everything was looking the same. And, you know, I'd get messages from mates saying, oh, I just bought one of your meals and they sent me a photo. I was like, man, that's not that's not my master chef. That's so someone else. Wow. Yeah, because it looks so similar. Yeah. And that's, again, we're like, you know what? Okay, it's time to make a change now. And we did, um, again, did a lot of uh, research, you know, asked our customers what they thought of the brand and we tried a few different things. And then we decided to do something really bold and distinctive. Mm. That's uniquely my muscle chef that no one can copy. And now every time you see a red tray, you know, he's eating my muscle chef mm. or she's eating my muscle chef. You know, it's funny, before the red tray came out, <clears throat> I seen Dave and he goes, have you seen the new trays? I said, no, I've still got the black ones. Yeah. And then he goes, it's red now. And I'll be honest with you, yeah. I'm thinking, fuck red. <laughs> but then I saw the tray and, I, and yeah. I put them both next to each other. Yeah. And it was so much easier to read the macros and the way, even the way- The labels change label. as well, correct. It's not just that, the tray, the labels change too. When yeah. you put them side by side, yeah. then you go, hey, these guys are onto something. Yeah. When, when you're going through that, how important mm -hmm. is it to block out the noise mm -hmm of the negative input that's coming in, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Knowing that, hey, you know what, we've we, we done a survey, this is what they want, yeah. but you still got the negative noise coming in. Yeah. How important is it to block that out? Well, it's it's super important, but it makes it easier when you have the data to back it up. Mm. So, um, you know, one of our guiding principles within the business is, you know, having data-led insights and data-led decision-making for everything, mm. and you want to, you know, you want to challenge decisions, but you want to champion a solution. Mm. So don't just come with your negative, you know, sort of challenges. Come up with a solution, but it has mm. to be backed by data. And that's been the game changer for our business. When we moved from frozen to fresh, the reason we did that was because we did the research and got the customer data. The reason we went from the old sort of muscly My Muscle Chef logo to what mm. it looks like today was because of the, the research and data. So it's a lot easier to cut out the noise and the distractions when you have the data there. Mm. But you need to sort of combine that with a little bit of gut feel and instinct as well. So um, I think that combined together has sort of got us to where we are. 
So my brother and I know that, you know, we know the business better than anyone. And usually when we make those sort of gut feel decisions, it tends to be supported by the data. So pretty lucky in that way because we know the business quite well. But it's nice to have that there. And it's good for the, for the team overall to be thinking like that as well. So if every time someone comes with an idea, you know, where's that idea come from? You know, what do our customers think about it? That's very important. Has the data ever been wrong where it's come in and you've, you've made the change and go, fuck, this, this doesn't seem... This isn't working out? I wouldn't say the data's been wrong. Maybe our interpretation could have been wrong. Mm. Uh, but we, I wouldn't say so, no. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Usually the interpretation is where you can make mistakes. Yeah. Uh, we have the benefit of having sort of access to our entire customer base. We'd have to, you know, go out and do research surveys. We can mm. just email our customer base and get feedback from them, which is fantastic. Mm. And, you know, making decisions based on that feedback is up to us. So if we interpret it wrong or we don't listen to it, then that falls on us. Early on, did you have to get surveys because you didn't have the, the customer? Early on, database? we didn't use any data at all. That was, yeah. that was probably the, the yeah. mistake, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it was all based on assumptions mm. and you know what we thought our customers wanted. And it worked to a certain degree and um, it served as you know, a purpose tool for the first five years. But it was in sort of 2018 and that's when James came on board as mm. well. And um, that was one of his um, suggestions actually around you know, you need to use data and understand who your, your customer base is. And ever since then, we sort of adopted that as well. Mm. Let's move on to James. Obviously, he's a good friend of mine. Yeah. And, and obviously yours. Speaks highly about you. Um, we've I've had some great conversations about the business here. He actually said to me, are you sure you want to do the podcast now? He likes the podcast. So I don't know if I want to go. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, you know, I was speaking to him yesterday and he is very, very data driven. Mm. At what point did did you guys bring James on into the business? And when you were first talking to him, did you think this guy's crazy? Well, the first time we met him was uh, mid two thousand eighteen. Yeah, and and I mean uh, by crazy, he's like, he's he, everything he says that has meaning. No, the, but, but when he says it, it's like, fuck! I didn't even look at that. Yeah, and that's what um sort of. That's the level of sort of experience that James brought when we, you know, when we first met him straight away. Um, so impressed by the knowledge that he has and the way he thinks and analyzes situations and the questions that he asks as well. I think that's really, really um, important and that's something that we probably were, were lacking at the time. And having that data sort of driven approach and mindset to everything. And mm. that's what has sort of dictated our success over the last five years. And um, so that was very, very impressive. Like when the first time that we met him, he just got that vibe straight away. Like he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. How did you, so how, how do you meet someone like James that you don't know at the time? Yeah. How do you bring someone like that on to look at the company? What, how does that work? So we, we had a business partner at the time who was mutual friends with James. And he said, oh, you have to meet this guy. He's, he's uh, when it comes to manufacturing is the best in the country so you have to catch up with him and uh, so james came down to our factory and we we met him and we sort of kicked it off straight away uh, so it, it worked out worked out perfectly and i know something about james he actually says no to a lot of deals yeah what made him say yes to your deal what what do you think that was something that attracted him to that uh, i think our ways of working definitely and uh, the fact that we were open to feedback and looking to improve uh, it's easier for someone from the outside to come in and, you know, give feedback and suggestions and we just say, oh, okay, thanks, but sort of no thanks. But because we really wanted to grow and improve the business, I think he valued the fact that the feedback that he gave, we're willing to 
at least tried to mm. see it worked and you know it actually did work so i think that definitely um sort of persuaded him and you know sparked his interest and the business also was flying after we made those changes so there was no reason not to how exciting is it when you go when you can find these people that bring in the business because mm -hmm. at the end of the day like it, it's the same with our business when you find the right people they can take you to that next level and it takes a team yeah you know what i mean your family can only get you so far mm -hmm. but then you need people that are you know at a different level yes when when you brought him on did you think oh this is cool this is this is going to take us to the next level and and to see that transition because then you guys build this massive factory mm -hmm. like it's huge like i hear so many great things yep. got to, i've yep. got to come to your gym that you've built in there. yes yes it's unbelievable yeah when you when you start out because because i hear so many great things about it can you vision anything like that and the enormity that it is now no <laughs> yeah. no i never would have dreamt it would have got to where it is today um yeah, we obviously wanted the business to be successful and we didn't know how far it could go, but every year we kept just pinching ourselves as it kept growing and growing. And, you know, if you would ask me, you know, 11 years ago, would, you know, we'd be sitting here today having this chat with you and talking about the business, I'd go, no chance, that's possible. So, no, definitely did not envision it to get to where it is. Like, we knew we wanted to make a successful brand, but uh, we also try not to get carried away by it and just keep pushing and want to keep growing and not, not settle. Mm. Uh, we still have big plans for the business and feel like it's you know just scratching the surface and there's so much more room to grow so um yeah how many businesses like jenny craig went down right mm. how many businesses go down in your space because they don't have the right processes systems and infrastructure mm -hmm. to grow or do they get complacent like jenny craig's a big brand mm. do you think they got complacent in the market it, I would say it's a bit of both. Um, we always set ourselves up for success by thinking ahead. So having, like you said, the right processes, the right infrastructure, the right systems. If we didn't have that in place, we wouldn't be able to support the growth that we had. And I feel like that's where a lot of these companies can fall over. Because when you scale, when you grow, your quality has to remain the same. Because customers are coming back to you because they like the quality of your product. Uh, they don't care if you're scaling. They don't care what's happening in the background. Every time they buy, it needs to be the same. So as you're growing, if you're also losing customers, that's a, that's a big problem. Mm. And that's probably the biggest challenge a lot of scaling companies face is the quality of their product or service may fall away because they can't keep up with the demand. So you know, we've done that really well twice when we moved from our condo park factory to the previous Enora facility. Um, that was a bit of a gamble. When we first moved in, I think we were at about 10% capacity. It was empty. And it was a big investment. We basically put everything that we'd earned from the business the first six, seven years into building that factory. And I remember walking through thinking, oh, did we make a mistake? How are we going to fill this place up? And then within two years, we you know, we were bursting at the seams. We needed to move again. So if we hadn't you know, sort of taken that risk and sort of thinking ahead and built that system, we wouldn't be able to support the massive growth that we had. And now the factory we're in now, same thing. Uh, in 2020, we decided, okay, we... In, in a year, we're not going to be able to you know, fit in this place. We need to start, um, you know, planning a new facility ASAP. And that even that probably was a little bit delayed, but the timing worked out okay. And what we're doing today, we wouldn't be able to support unless we were in the facility we are. So I think having that system infrastructure, the people, is really, really important as set us up for success. But that's all underpinned by quality at the end of the day. If your quality is not there, it doesn't matter how much you market. Correct. Yeah. And... 
to me, like I'm talking to you right now, there's a the, you must have done a lot of development on yourself. Mm-hmm. How do you continue to develop yourself in an ever-changing environment, market where service has to be at, at a standard where you're going to continue to get those customers back? What do you do for yourself to develop yourself? Like obviously, I, I listen to different podcasts. I, I read a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm always looking at the market, looking at how it can become better. I'm looking at that 1% of how I can improve yeah. my clients, my customers, my mm-hmm. team. What do you do for, for that? Looking at the market, definitely. But for me, a big one is working with the right people as well. And I feel like I've grown a lot working with the team that I work with and getting the right people involved in the business at the right time has had a huge impact on, how, on our success. So like James, for example, or the employees that we have, We've got all these great people coming to the business that bring their own skill sets. And a lot of them have, or most of them have more experience in their field than I do, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm almost learning from them. So a big part of our success and growth for me has been working with amazing people in the business and they bring all these awesome ideas and I'm open to these ideas and I want to mm-hmm. try them out. And they all understand how important quality is to me. That's something everyone in the business knows about me mm-hmm. is quality and service can never be compromised. I'm not sure where I got that from, but that's been from number one since day one we started. You know, we'd, um, when this is in the early days, we'd forget a delivery in Canberra and we've just been working for like 12 hours straight and the courier's already left. And then my brother and I would look at each other like, shit, we've got to drive to Canberra. So we'll drive to a round one way, you know, round trip to Canberra just to deliver one order. But wow. rather than waiting just for the next day for the courier to come back. You know, so we're like, customers paid for the order. We promised them this delivery day. It can't be a day late. Let's just drive there and drop it off. So just doing things like that, that is just part of our culture now. So it doesn't matter if we were small and we're much bigger now, that underpins everything we do. Again, it's one of our sort of core values in the business is walking our customers' shoes every single day. And I think that's been, you know, a foundation of the success that we've had. Six six thousand stores. Australia-wide, yes. right? Yeah. Service stations, Coles, Woolworths, gyms. You see it everywhere. Mm. How does it make you feel every time you see it? I pinch myself, yeah. It's, it's surreal. Does it feel like that all the time? You go, oh, fuck. There it every is single again. time. There it is again. It never gets old. Yeah. Never, never, ever gets old. That feeling never goes away. And it, it's almost like it's it's pretty surreal. And um, it just that's what makes me excited every single day to keep growing the business, just seeing that all the time and everywhere and it's i can't even sort of fathom or explain Mm. (laughs) explain it to be honest especially considering the distribution we have now like you said wherever you go you see the rest now that it's red too you see it bloody everywhere which is you can't miss it you can't miss it it. and um it just makes it so satisfying and um you know going you know going into the office and with the factory and working with the team um, just seeing the product there. If you're having a bad, let's say I have a crappy day at work, but on the way home I got to fill up fuel, and then I see the meals, and then I'm like, okay, and that just boosts you up, you know. Yeah. So it's I love it. Does your factory work around the clock? Like, how how does it work? Is it 24 hours? What is it? Um, some days it's 24 hours, mm. uh, but not I wouldn't say seven days a week. So there's three different departments. So we have the production section that prepares, cooks all the food. Mm. Then we have the the packaging area where we you know put the food in the containers, seal it, and then we have the logistics that dispatches the product. So depending on the section, they might work twenty four hours, but it's not seven days a week. But mm. some days it's twenty four hours. Give me some metrics. How much chicken rice would you have to get on a weekly basis delivered? Like what are those Ooh. numbers? 
Chicken, okay. So we... Broccoli. Chicken is about 60 tonne a week. 60 tonne a week. What about rice? That's got to be even more. Rice would probably be more. I don't know the rice off the top of my head, but if chicken is 60, 60 tonne, tonne, rice would be there if not more. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of food, yeah. Um, think about it, like 2013 you, you start and then you think 60 tonne. You can't even imagine that, right? No. Yeah, it's a couple, couple of semis of um, chicken being loaded. Yeah. What does that logistics look like? Bringing it in, cooking it? Like yeah. That has to be almost perfect. It, it has to be perfect. And fresh food is not an easy industry to be in. The margin for error is very, very small. And the food has to taste the same, has to taste great every single time. And one of the main ingredients of that is the quality of the raw produce that you get. So we get fresh chicken delivered every single day, our meats delivered fresh, our fresh veggies delivered every single day. So the quality of our product that's incoming mm. is of the highest standard. And then we are preparing food every day. Yeah. So cook today, we'll pack it later today, sent out. So the customer's getting the freshest quality product. When you look at a business like that, like when I look at businesses, I go, what's the CFO like? What's you know, each person in each area, what is, what's the data look like? What do the numbers look like? Mm. What are the numbers costing to come in? What are the numbers costing to go out? Mm. Do you look at data like that a lot, all the time? And how important is that, those metrics and those numbers to a business to, to, to make it profitable yes. and to grow? It's, um, it defines the success of your business. And especially when the scale is so big, when the business is smaller, I can walk down to the factory and have, have a look at things. Mm. Or I can just check on every single department because the scale is so much smaller. Now that it's you know 100 times bigger, you can't do that anymore. Mm. And that's where the metrics and the numbers and the KPIs come in. So rather than, like I used to, say I have to do rounds of the factory every day to make sure everyone's you know working hard, mm. we have KPIs around how many meals we need to pack per hour or what our labor cost needs to be. Mm. So that allows you to track all that, right? Um, and that's where obviously like the role of a CFO is, is so important to be able to provide those numbers so you have visibility across the entire business. And that's how we can sort of maintain and run our business in, with a, such a tight ship because we have all those metrics and we, we record and track that on a weekly basis. And that's where some of the businesses may fall off. They probably don't, don't do that, but we sell across our numbers and we have KPIs across all parts of the business. We can hold people accountable and it just allows you to have a quick bird's eye view on what's happening because the numbers don't lie at the end mm. of the day. If we had a crappy week in production last week, the numbers will tell me that. Mm. So it's very, very important. Yeah. 220 million in 2022. What's 2024 look like? Um, can't give you exact numbers, but it's going to be a lot more. Well, what's 2023? What was that? <laughs> Uh, I can't give you exact numbers, but it's it's, it's going to be more. It's, it's going to be, be more. It's going to okay, be more. Okay, let's say 400 million. <laughs> Four, I'll, 400. I'll stick with 400. <laughs> Would you be happy with that? I'd be over the moon with that. <laughs> right. When I said James, I said, James, I stated it on the podcast. You've yeah. got to do 400, bro. Done. I'm not going to be happy we, we got to do it unless now. I know he'll be a happy man at that number as well. When you, when you look at my muscle chef today, it would have to be number one in this country, mm-hmm. right? When you were number three and four, who was in front of you at that time? Um, at that time, U Foods would have been in front of us. Mm. And there was there was also a lot of small players, mm. um, which I feel have fallen away now. I feel like U Foods was always the market leader and there was a lot of smaller players that are chasing after them. Mm. And it's the same case now, now that we're number one. There's quite a few smaller players chasing after us. So... Um, 
yeah, we always striving to be number one. We wanted to be the number one fitness ready meal brand and have the data sort of prove that. And based on market share, we are the number one fitness ready meal brand in Australia. And um, now the the challenge is how do you maintain that number one spot? It's a lot easier. It's a top. Yeah, I was going to say it's easier when you're chasing number one mm. because you are someone to try beat and you're working towards that and you can rally the team so you know want to be number one want to be number one once you are number one it's important not let the complacency set in and maybe sometimes it it has but it's important to make sure that we understand it's harder to be number one and everyone has a target on our back now as you know we're like copying our packaging for Mm. example yes um and um you know everyone's seeing like you said you can't miss my muscle chef so i'm sure the competitors out there thinking how do we take that number one spot so and that's where it goes back to making sure we look after our customers, quality's number one, the rest will take care of itself. I can't see is not being a number one, and I'll tell you why. Both you and James, uh, family individuals, mm-hmm. come from humble beginnings, yeah. and you're fighters with a lot of discipline, a lot of focus on business. And to be perfectly honest, I, I, when I look at both of you, I go, these guys hate to lose. Yeah, I, And that's... That's that combination's unmatchable because you see these companies like Jenny Craig, they bring in all these different people that don't have that why. Mm-hmm. Where I know both of you guys, yep. you ha- both have a why, correct? A lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at data, there's so many things that you guys look at. You, you and, and but but the, the biggest one I, I would say mm-hmm. is is how close you are to your families mm-hmm. and how important that is. Yes. What kind of a role does that play when you're competing against these other companies that don't have that? Well, that's where the support network comes in, like we discussed earlier, and having my brother there, having my parents. My parents worked in the business for quite a while as well. So it was nice having my dad there, my mum there. So you're having those tough days and you want to vent and you need that support. You know, they're, they're right there and they understand you. And you know we're really, really close as a, as a family. And that's played a huge part. And I want to succeed for them. And I don't want to let my brother down. My brother doesn't want to let me down. We don't want to let our parents down. And especially after all the hard work and sacrifices that they've put in for us, firstly, bringing us to Australia in the first place to give this amazing opportunity. And, you know, we obviously obviously love living in Sydney. And that's due to them making the decision, a very tough decision, you know, over 20 years ago now to to move over so i don't want to let them down and you know that's always a reason we want to succeed is our is our family and you know you can't put a so you can't put a value on that really mm-hmm. because that's that's your why and if, if you have tough days you're like i'm doing this for my family so i have to do it you know obviously you said your brother went to silicon valley mm-hmm. you, uh, uh, when you when you when you go to san francisco you you learn about partners equity shareholders and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff is that something that you learnt from him to bring in partners into the business? Or not, not necessarily. About? Oh, I, I wouldn't say we knew too much about it. We just happened to be at the right place, at the right time, and met the right people. Um, we weren't actively looking for um, investors or investment, even when we met um, uh, Ricky or James. But you meet the right people. You knew, you know, you meet them for a reason. So, like when we met James, you know, we knew straight away. Okay, we. We need to work together and make something big happen here. So I think it was a sort of timing and luck and just meant to be. Before you met them, was there other people that you interviewed or you spoke to? That no, you got, no, no. We just did. Fuck. Yeah, we so just, just worked just worked off out. the bat. First person we met. Far out. Yeah, it just worked, it worked really well. Fuck, I wish <laughs> things worked out like that for me. Jeez, you've had an easier run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the great thing about business, about training, 
it's a game you could do for the rest of your life. Yes. And if you've got processes and systems and you continue to get better, yeah, it's something you're gonna have for the rest of your life. The experience is gonna be there. You understand the foundations you gotta set. You understand yeah. the work ethic that 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 is necessary. Um, you know, when I met you a, a year ago, you've seemed to have gone from strength to strength with your training. Mm -hmm. I was talking to Dave last week. I don't want to give myself a rap, but he goes, mate, that was a pivotal moment coming to Titan me Titan Fitness and meeting you guys. It gave you that extra boost to really go after your training. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Um, it was yeah, it's, it's not a coincidence. Until then, I was training, like I was training to to try keep fit and healthy, but not that I was very fit and healthy. Um, but after I trained with you guys, I trained with Dave. I saw what people that really train hard train like, mm -hmm. and also seeing how how much in shape I guess you were, and and Dave as well. That really motivated me to take it up to the next level and to be able to train with you guys and to make sure that I can keep up. And I don't I know what it was that up. sort of clicked in my head, but um, having also having someone there to keep you accountable. So mm. even after, like, so I obviously stopped training here for a while, but I kept in touch with, with Dave and he'd keep me accountable saying, how's your training this week? How's the diet? And in my head, I'd be like, okay, when, I'm, when I go to train with the next time, I don't look like a slob. So I've got to make sure I keep my diet up. And I think that, I don't know what it was. It just sort of, the mindset mindset changed and having someone to keep accountable with your fitness and um, training just like i have the support network mm. with business with my brother almost sort of you can yeah, see similarities yeah. there and um and now it's just become a routine and a habit and it can't can't go back i've the healthiest ever been fittest ever been um training's the best it's ever been so don't see going back just go strength to strength but you need those competitive guys around. Like of course Dave's you do. Extremely competitive. extremely competitive, yeah. So you need those competitive guys in every part of your life. That's whether right. Whether it's business, whether it's family, yeah. whether it's training. And if you've got those right individuals around you, it makes everything better. How much has your your work life been better, especially in the last year, mm -hmm. because you've had that discipline? Because like, you've taken it to another notch. I've yeah. seen photos of you. Yeah. I might even use it in this video. <laughs> Because you're looking good, mate. Ma maybe not. <laughs> Doesn't like to be. You can't find Tisha anyway. It's private, even a private account. So you've got to really go look after, look, 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 look at where he's at. So it's very hard to find. You can probably find you more on LinkedIn, right? For, on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, yeah. 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 You'll see a professional <laughs> Tisha. You won't see someone that's crazy on the gym. When you see him, like if he, when he trains today, he's gonna be crazy. I had to turn him down once. <laughs> go, bro, we're not in Bankstown. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dave was laughing, but I oh, that's funny. I remember yeah, I was I was, I was <laughs> dropping the weights too much. Yeah, oh. He wants to do chest today, the war chest. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. But that 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 discipline. What are you looking to do in the next twelve months with that discipline? Because um, it was around this it was just before this we started training together last year. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So. Firstly, the the discipline with the I think with the fitness has had given me a really good structure for the day, mm. and I felt like my energy is so much better. Mm. So I'm fitter, and if your body's fitter, you, I feel like you have better energy. You can think better, think more clearly, and that's made a huge impact. I just have so much energy during the day, and I, I feel good. Yeah, I feel really good, feel confident, mm. and you know, I'm happy with how I look, and that has a big impact on on how you feel about yourself. So I don't see that changing, mm. and now that I've got to where I am now, I'm looking to you know actually put in specific goals in the gym. So mm. I don't really track my, say, body measurements, for example. I want to see how much I can grow, how much muscle I can put on. Mm. I don't track my weights uh, for my lifts. 
So for the next 12 months, that's something I want to start tracking. So mm. over the next 12 months, how much, you know, can I bench more? How much can I deadlift more? I want mm. to start tracking these things. But also I want to understand how much, you know, muscle I've put on. Is the training and dieting, what impact is actually having? So just being a bit more specific with the training guys, I'm really looking forward to that. Because it's a huge change from when I first met you. Because I remember you started, then you you, you you backed off and you started and you backed off and then it was like bang, bang, bang. And you could yeah. see in the photos how much everything started to change, yeah. you know, from not just the physical sense, but the definition, mm -hmm. you know, the hardness, the, yeah. the muscular maturity that, that you've gained through that whole process. And it's interesting because you, you're not resting on your laurels right now. Mm -hmm. You're trying to create a new standard. Yes. And and through that standard, what happens when you look good, feel good, you start to attract more of the right energy in your life. Correct. Right? Has that has that been a massive part of the last year? It has been a huge part of the last year. And I definitely feel um, more happy with myself uh, because I feel better and look better. I think I underestimated the impact that having living a healthy lifestyle has on your mental state and your energy levels and just getting you know even just getting sort of positive feedback from friends and family it's nice to hear that and that's also very encouraging you know rather than hearing oh you know look you're out of shape. i remember my mom, my mom about 18 months ago said that i was overweight and then that hurt me a little bit i was like yeah. okay i need to maybe start getting back in shape but now it's the complete opposite where you know you're hearing compliments from people around you know how good you look and people also take inspiration from that so my friends are messaging me saying you know what did you eat can you send me what your program is i want to also go on this weight loss mm. journey so i think that is also very satisfying i think just in my immediate friend circle i feel like i've inspired quite a few of my friends mm. now that i'm almost not their coach but they'll ask me questions yeah. and mess me and what should i eat you know what should i do for my training and i think that's also pretty rewarding when you ate in months ago when your mum said that to you yeah because it happens to everyone <laughs> yeah. was it was it because of work the pressure of work the pressure of like we're going to go to this next standard mm. Do you think, you know, like sometimes the pressure of everything happening outside mm. dictates what you're going to do that is necessary for you? Yes. Right? And of you course. don't realize you let one week go, two weeks, it's a yeah. month. Then, you, you know, you're driving home and you go, you know what, I'm going to have a packet of chips and mm. some chocolate. Uh, and then it, you know, it becomes a snowball going in the yep. other direction. And then you start to realize, fuck, why, why aren't I feeling good anymore? Yeah. And you go, wait, I just lost my discipline. That's and right. You don't even realize. Correct. Was that sort of something that happened in, in, in the business? Because you were so I would focused say so. on business. Yeah. And and sometimes we get so focused on business, but we lose the focus on ourselves, mm -hmm. which then affects the business. Yeah. And we don't even realize. Correct. And it's definitely a, a shifting in priorities. You stop prioritizing your your health and fitness. Now it's it is a priority for me. So there's no compromises. But I also feel like it is a bit of an excuse too. So I don't like saying, you know, work was busy and that's why I didn't do it because there's always time. Mm. You know, what's an hour of the day? What's even 45 minutes of the day? Um, so I don't want to use that as an excuse, to be honest. Um, I, I like being honest with myself. I just didn't prioritize mm. it. I didn't value it. And now that I can see the value, uh, I'll make sure whether it means, you know, cutting out one hour of, you know, hanging out with my mates or if I need to do something mm. else, I'll block that out and make sure I get that fitness in and just making a priority. And then once you make it a habit and, you know, forming that habit, you know, requires quite a bit of discipline. But I feel like for me anyway, when you start seeing the results that it becomes a lot easier. Mm. And now that I have seen the results, it's just part of my routine.
And sometimes you yeah. slip up and, you yeah. know, we're all, we're all human. Yeah. But, you know, discipline is something that separates you know, people at that top level, yeah. you know, to the rest. And, um, you know, I like watching, you know, like you say, you like listening to podcasts, the same thing here, like listening to podcasts and watching sort of YouTube videos on top athletes. And I love mm. listening to their mindset and that really motivates me. Yeah. And, you know, what it takes to be at that level. And even if they can do it, why can't, why can't I do it? Yeah. And, um, and discipline is what, they all talk about yeah. that's what it really comes down to so that's been a big learning for me in the last um you know sort of 12 months from a fitness point of view i've always had the discipline for business and prioritizing that but you know now i've built that sort of health and fitness discipline as well yeah and you can take a lot from those great athletes like the ronaldo's the messi's especially the ones <laughs> like the Djokovic's that are at the highest level mm. where everything is meticulous their yes. diet their training like everything for that one moment and then and then they do it again correct and then they do it again and they do it again yes and it's that continuous uh putting in of those reps that's that right makes the biggest change and the biggest impact but it's transferable to business exactly right, right. So people go this is what i've got to do for my body but it's transferable to business so if i feel like this i'm going to perform better here if i feel like this i'm going to perform better here and what you see a lot of the time and i'm i'm a victim of it and I'm, mm. I'm sure you, you have been as well where we were like fuck man if I don't get this right in the business, I'm not going to train. I'm going to, and you actually end up punishing yourself. Mm. You actually punish yourself yep. when you should be looking after yourself. Correct. So you can look after whatever That's right. that vehicle is that you need to push. That's right. In business, it's it's so important. Like it I is. see so many people go, oh, I just need a break. You don't need a break. Mm -hmm. You need to continue to do this and fight against the problem you're having outside. This is not the problem. Correct. This was never the problem. No. You just made it the problem. That's right. That's and a that very well way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there's days when you're driving home from a long day and like, I don't feel like training, so I had a tough day. But like I said, that shouldn't dictate for you to not go train. It's two completely separate things. You need to get that done. Yeah. And um, and once you build that habit, for me now, it's almost an escape, an hour that I don't have to think about anything else. So going to the gym, that's my alone time, put my headphones on and just and just train just go for and it. absolutely love it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's almost like a meditation, a reset. Correct. You know, and you um, feel so good after it, man. Yeah, it's man. the best feeling. I yeah. absolutely love it. Yeah. yeah, there's no better feeling. No. Well, T, bro, it was um, we covered a lot of ground. We did. That was Fuck. a great chat. We covered a lot of ground. Did I miss anything, Kenny? Right. Fucking thing, I covered everything. That was good, man. Thank you, man. Look, I, I'm I'm super proud of what you've done with uh, my muscle chef. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're good mates now. Um, you see Dave a lot. I haven't seen you for a while, but. I don't have it's, to because fucking same. Dave just sends photos. He goes, this is what T's looking like. I go, mother. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, it, having that, you know, that environment of, of, of friends that are pushing that level yeah. is so important and infectious. It um, is. And it lifts the other it's such good energy. Push more, it's such good energy, man. You know what I mean? So I, I love it. Thanks for coming on today. No, thanks um, for having me, 